Homestyle Green, episode 81. How do you get more of the type of clients that you want to have? And also, how will your buildings shape up, do you think, in around about 2040? G'day and welcome back to another episode of Homestyle Green. I'm the host of the show, Matthew Cutler-Welsh, and this is the podcast all about inspiring people to make a better place to live. And I'm tending to focus more on the building professional scene in this show. So talking to and talking with architects, designers, and hopefully some builders as well out there who are in the business of creating homes that are good for people and good for the planet. And I'm really interested in the idea of how you attract more of the right type of clients. Because I'm assuming if you listen to the show, you are what I would class as a good architect or a good builder, well, how do you get good clients? And what is a good client? And I think that's a really important question for you to ask in your practice because you could spend a lot of time trying to convince people of uh, changing their views on certain aspects of homes like their size or the quality of the kitchen versus the insulation or trying to up-spec some of the insulation, maybe decrease some of the size of the windows. We'll talk a little bit about that in this in this week's episode. Um, or you can do more of the work that you're interested in with the type of clients that you're interested in and attract more of those. And that was one of the questions that I posed to Ian McHugh this week over in the UK. He's with Green Triangle Studio. Well, that's his own practice, Green Triangle Studio. And um, yeah, I was interested in finding out more about why he does what he does and how he gets more of the better type of clients. Before we get into today's show, I just want to do a quick shout out to Homestyle Green sponsor, that is Nudora. Now, if you're considering building or doing a, maybe you could do a, a renovation using Nudora, but probably if you're considering doing a new build, then definitely check this out. Nudora is the global leader in insulated concrete form building systems. If you don't know what that is, then head over to energyefficientbuilding.co.nz or to nudora.com and you'll get loads of information there. Now, Nudora has been around for a long time overseas and if you're listening to this outside of New Zealand, then there's a good chance there is a authorised distributor near you. And it's great news that this system is now available here in New Zealand. So if you are looking for a system that is energy efficient, environmentally friendly, super strong and a good way to create a really healthy living space for you and your family, then definitely check it out. Go to energyefficientbuilding.co.nz or you can call them on 0800 Nodora. That's 0800 683 672. Okay, so Ian, can you, um, thank you for, for your time. Really appreciate it. Can you start by telling us why you do what you do? Uh I've been an architect for longer than I care to remember. Um, uh, I set up Green Triangle uh, just over a year ago because I wanted to specialise in more sustainable uh, work and opportunities to do some research. I had links with universities as well. Uh, so just wanted to do something a bit more hands-on, small projects, getting involved and uh, that kind of thing. So does that work come fairly naturally? You, you say you want to do work in the sustainability 
area. Is there? Would you say that there's a lot of that around? Uh, no. <laughs> right. But it's growing. It's growing. Yeah. I think, there's, uh, you know, I'm trying to feel my way in the market at the moment. Uh, you know, I can't compete with the people like uh, Arabs and BDP and so on. Uh, so I offer something different at a smaller scale. Yep. So hopefully it makes it more accessible for some people, uh, you know, smaller clients and so on. Uh, and where I live in Manchester, particularly in perhaps some of the better off suburbs and so on, people are interested at a domestic level in that kind of thing. Uh, and I've got uh, talking to like new developers now who are interested. Uh, they see a market in people wanting to buy, say, eco flats and things like that. So, you know, I think it's a growing area and you know, just got to try and be ahead of the game, really. You, and, you uh, were, you were previously, what I want to do. Yeah. previously, you've been involved in working around the Code for Sustainable Homes. Sure. Yeah. Is that, is that helpful in what you do now in terms of sustainability for your practice? And is it also helpful in, for those that don't know that market from overseas, has, what has Code for Sustainable Homes done to people's general awareness of sustainability issues around housing? Uh, I think it's been really good uh, it, because it um, it's a very broad interpretation. It's not just energy. You know, they look at lifestyle, uh, health, ecology, you know, a whole range of uh, topics, and it works on a scoring system. Um, now, where you're looking at the social housing sector, they've set uh, a sort of a mid-level there, level three out of six, six being as of zero carbon and, and so on. Um, and I think it's just up the whole level in general sort of building practice so that contractors know, you know, it's not like an extra special add-on. It's something that they just price for now. Uh, so it's just an expected thing. And they don't have to be specialists in green things, uh, energy and so on. They just, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty much more into the mainstream, which is really good. And then at the customer end, it's just a simple star system. So they don't have to know much about uh, all the ins and outs and the technical details. They just think, okay, I've got a three-star or a four-star or whatever. So I think that's really good. The bad side is that the government is cutting it <laughs> from, uh, well, it pretty much looks like it now, from uh, the funding arrangements for right. social housing. So it's going to take it out of the necessity. They're going to put some of the elements into the general building regulations like the energy things and so on. So that will up that. But I think it's a shame that it was an opportunity to kind of be sort of a vanguard uh, ahead of the minimum standards, you know, so it did help raise people's awareness that way. So they are looking at, at raising the general standard, but they're removing yeah. a mandatory requirement for social new social housing to be at, at a three-star. Yeah, because it was a funding requirement. Previously. Right, right. Or currently, and is that um, is that the only place where there's any mandation of that sort of thing? Uh, for the code? Yeah. Uh, well, it, it was that you had to get a code rating previously, but um, uh, you could that can include a zero star. Right. You just had to get one. But basically, you had to hand that over when you sold a property or whatever. Yeah. So people would yeah. know it was a zero star. You know. But I think it's these things take a long time to get through into the public. Consciousness. Yep. No. Uh, it's a bit like, you know, say the safety stars on car. Yeah, yeah. 
crash safety or something. You know, it takes a few years to come through, and then suddenly everyone's asking for it. And hopefully, it would have been that kind of thing. I think. So now, in the current environment, who is your ideal client? <laughs> uh, better be somebody I've already got, haven't it? <laughs> <laughs> Just in general um, terms, what do they look like? You know, what, what, what do they? Why do they come to you? What are they after? Well, I've got a great client at the moment, uh, and they're really interesting. Uh, I won't name them, but uh, they're a they're a wannabe eco developer. Uh-huh. Uh, they've got background in uh, other ecological sort of research and innovation, and uh, so they're looking to. Uh, you know, we're trying to get this development off the ground at the moment for about 20 flats, uh, city centre in a not great area, but could be good area. So it's sort of about bringing up the whole sort of regeneration of that sort of place, um, doing something really innovative, uh, and also trying to bring it into the mainstream a bit as well. You know, so it's not just these you uh, little apartments for very rich people you know but it's how do you get these things more accessible and uh, uh, you know make something that really works what's the core driver for that developer uh, I think at the moment it's just getting to the tipping point uh, we're looking to get a grant because they're a community interest company mm. uh, so there's possibility or uh, of getting a grant or to get to the first stage with it, to planning permission. Yeah. Uh, uh, actually, I should say I'm mainly project managing and clients advising on that one. I'm yeah. working with another architect as well. Right. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's just very exciting. I mean, and then after that is the money, you know, like anything. So they, are, uh, do it, they can see a profit in going down that direction? It's not, just a, it's not a fully it's not, altruistic yeah. kind of... I mean, they're a charitable company, but they, you know, they don't have deep pockets right right so you know they've got to do something that's going to be workable yep and to me that's that's what makes it relevant really. yeah right now you mentioned there the uh, project management consultancy so how much of your work that you do now is traditional architecture versus consulting uh, tell us a bit about some of the other work that yeah. you're involved in um it's uh, it's probably about half and half at the moment uh, because I'm just a year into the business, a lot of it is chasing around, trying to make projects happen. Yep. Uh, so there's still a lot of that. And in the meantime, you know, I've got enough to keep me going and, uh, you know, keep keep things flowing. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so it's a good juggling act. And uh, architecture-wise, other things I'm looking at at the moment, there's a, there's a new build house on site. Uh, there's a, a refurb. Uh, conversion, like a basement conversion and extension. Uh, there's, uh, oh, there's two of those. Uh, there's a visitor centre coming up for a cycling uh, sort of centre yep. in the woods and everything. Yep. So, uh, you know, a variety of stuff like that, really. Is that something that you would recommend that sole practitioners do to branch out and do look for work that's not just drawing and and doing traditional architecture or is it a distraction no no well i don't think it's a distraction i mean 
for me, I like just doing lots of different things. Really. Right. You know, yeah. From drawing, writing, meeting people, looking at things. You know, I just like the variety. So yeah. that's that's the big driver. Uh, you know, I don't particularly like sitting there filling forms in and all that, which is part of the assessment process. But uh, you know, some of those things just got to be done. So uh, uh, I think you know, diversity is good and uh, following your interests. You know, now, speaking, of, yeah. speaking of diversity, yeah, you're involved in with the Idea House. Can you, for those that haven't heard of it, can you explain um, what that what okay. Idea House is? Yeah, well, um, it came out of some work. It's a concept design at the moment. Uh, the idea for it came out of uh, some research we did, funded by the government's UK government's Technology Strategy Board. Uh, for uh, looking at future climate and climate adaptation design and so on. Uh, and this project we did was based on a case study of social housing in Liverpool. Uh, and we were looking, the questions we wanted to, to look at were how uh, lightweight industrialised housing would uh, be suitable you know, in future climate scenarios. Right. Uh, so we did modelling. Uh, we worked with the University, uh, Queen's University, Belfast. Uh, of Belfast, yeah, right. uh, one of the professors there is a friend of mine we've worked with him before, and he lives in Manchester as well. Uh, so that's quite convenient. Yeah. And uh, uh, I mean, basically, so there was the two questions: how could we improve the sort of industrialization process for housing? Because uh, it just seemed as an industry to be well behind, and we thought ideas about mass customization and so on, could be much better aimed at the housing market. Uh, and also that the housing market is just not looking at future climate in the UK in terms of comfort and so on. Uh, and this was this was the second project we did on climate adaptation. So we, we had a background and, and knew some of the scenarios that were being projected, you know, temperature increases and increased rainfall and different uh, kind of rainfall profiles through the year, things like that. So, um, so anyway, we came up with this idea for basically sort of floodproof and uh, house with a concrete base uh, with upstands, and then above that uh, a timber frame system, but using hempcrete, so it incorporates a lot of thermal mass. Right. And uh, you know, in a basically lightweight structure. So that's the, the core of it. Uh, and then the house types and so on, based on an expandable version that give you two, three or four bed options using sort of core components and then a lot of different add-ons. You know, so uh, I'll put some pictures up, but for, to visualize it, it it's based okay. on, on a repeated unit, isn't it? So that you can, um, the, the essential components of it are fairly yeah. standard and then you can just add on more as, as you need. In, in That's the idea is that the big parts are repeatable. You yeah. know, and you could do different houses with it, basically. Now, you but then you can have lots of small parts that yeah. be customised, more like a sort of IKEA yeah. approach. Yeah. Actually, the the general um, the general shape reminds me of um, some of the other the the zero um, energy houses that have um, have been explored around the UK in the past. Um, yeah, do you mean like the sort of asymmetrical section? And yeah, stuff? yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I think it's just sort of logically following things through. So we use a, a south-facing pitched roof. Uh, we're suggesting that could be uh, like, do you know PVT panels, where they're combined thermal and PV? We've got, I've, I've had... Uh, um, which are generally more efficient. Yeah, I've had one person on the show before who, who imported that system from yep. the UK and, and put it on a house uh, here. It's, it's, so far, there's only got one house in New Zealand I know of that's got integrated yeah. panels. Well, it's a new thing here. I think Holland is quite advanced in right. it as well. Right, right. Now, I love graphs because I'm an engineer. You've got a uh, psychometric uh, chart in there. Uh, and you, oh, yeah, mentioned, yeah. you mentioned climate change and, and the variation in rainfall. What, what are sort of, how did you go about modelling or, or, or predicting what sort of climatic changes are going that might be possible? Are you, so you're talking high levels of humidity? Yeah. I mean, basically, there's um, uh, the UK CPO9 projections is the climate projections. Yeah. Oh, it's the, the Met Office do and so on with the government. Uh, but also, um, uh, it's University of Exeter had uh, prepared a, beta, a database of EPW files, you know, Energy Plus. Right. Uh, files based on all these different scenarios and projections and probabilities and so on. So we just had to pick which sort of risk level we were interested at and which length of time we were interested at and so on. Uh, it goes up to 2080. Uh, so we used like a high emission scenario, uh, 90 percent uh, uh, percentile, uh, which is you know the top, yeah, the top level of risk, and uh, yeah, 2080. You know to, to model up to yeah, yeah. so 50 is a stop off and so on. Uh, so it's interesting. Um, you know, and what you see is obviously all the focus at the moment is on low energy housing through heat saving. You know, but yep. the problem is going to be cooling. Looking at this, yeah, and we and, did uh, and, and we did really... a little crossover graph of the energy use. You know, in a bad year or a hot year, uh, and it looks like you'd be spending uh, more energy, not necessarily in cost, but probably, actually probably be quicker in cost because cooling is electric uh, generally. Uh, but the what we call the energy crossover between heating and cooling could be within 20 years. Yeah, so it's midway between 2030 and 2050 by, by your um, prediction. Yeah, there. I mean, so, you know, it's not a massive study. It's just looking at one example but uh, and, and modelling it up with some local modelling company, you know. Uh, but I think it just raises really interesting question that nobody's really looking at properly. How do you get people to take that sort of, um, that seriously, given that, I mean, from a New Zealand point of view and in Australia, we, <clears throat> we're struggling just to build to the existing code, let alone think yeah. about how deficient that code is uh, in the future. How, why is someone, a developer right now today going to care about any of this stuff and how do you, how do you uh, influence those um, decision makers? It's difficult. I mean, in the social housing, obviously, you know, it's a, it's a kind of liberal sector and people sort of um, concerned about these things, but they've still got to find the money. Yeah. Uh, and still got to tick all the boxes and do the numbers and so on. Um, but I would say, I think in the longer term, you know, 
a volume house builder just selling houses is very hard to convince unless they're making a sales feature from it. Yep. So, so but somebody who's going to retain a, a longer term interest in the building and its uh, asset performance over time, you know, that's where the the drivers are going to come yeah. from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think in Australia and places, I've heard there's more uh, influence now from insurance companies, um, particularly about flood or anything like that. And obviously, there's going to be parts of the UK that affects as well. Yep. Uh, so, you know, some of the projections we've done, the houses are uninhabitable through the temperature profile, you know, in, within, uh, you know, 30, 40 years. So is that an asset that you're going to want to have? You know, well, you you're could, just building a standard lightweight house with no you know, mass, no proper ventilation strategy and so on. All that's going to happen is people will put air conditioning in. I was going to say, I should buy some shares in the air conditioning companies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly what – and the cost of running those are going to increase. Yeah, yeah. Through energy you know, increases. So, you know, we're just trying to find what is the kind of passive way of uh, tackling these issues really. Yeah. Um, now, got a got a lot of listeners to the show who are in a similar position. They are passionate about designing sustainably and catering for that market. And I think one of the biggest challenges is attracting more of those ideal clients. You got any tips for how you can go about doing that? How do you attract the right kind of clients? <laughs> uh, if anybody knows, they can let me know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's just it's just trying to keep a presence up, isn't it? And uh, getting your face known around and uh, putting interesting things out and uh, stuff like that. And it's, how do you do that? Uh, I tweet a bit. Uh, uh, so anybody can find me on Green Triangle UK. Yep. Uh, uh, but really, I just put out things that I think are interesting and uh, whether it's funny or green or whatever yeah and uh, uh uh i use linkedin quite a lot and try and put some things out there uh i just turn up and hassle people right <laughs> well i, I <laughs> think yeah just that... send people things that might be of interest to them you yeah know? i don't you know I'm, i suppose in a marketing sense i i really kind of just try and talk to people i want to talk to you know? yeah i don't do a lot of mass broadcast yeah but I, I think you're you're right, and I wouldn't underestimate the value of that of, of just turning up in some of those, particularly social media channels like LinkedIn and, and Twitter. And yeah. I think for people like yourself who are used to that, maybe take for granted. But um, for some people who are just uh, with so much going on, just getting running your business, that can often seem yeah. pretty overwhelming to to think, oh gee, I have to have to be tweeting as well. <laughs> Yeah, it's you know, it's not something I rely on. It's just uh, I, you, you find other interesting things on there, pass them on, and, and so yeah. on. You know, it's a, it's a magazine, really, isn't it, that you can pass around. And and obviously, you've uh, got some links there with the university and and some of the research you put together for this idea house concept yeah. and and the other work. That must be a good networking opportunity for you as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I like to – I mean, I know a few people at Manchester University. I did a bit of work there this year. Uh, we did a passive house competition with some students, some postgrad students. You know, yeah. It was really interesting. So, you know, it's always good to get uh, some kind of fresh idea 
yeah. uh, uncensored by the real world sometimes. Yeah, you know? absolutely. See what <laughs> so, the students uh, coming up with. Give us a lift, and uh, you know, because you do, you after some time in practice, you you start to self censor and things like that. So it's good to have things unhindered by yeah. such restrictions. Yeah. Do, do you think that architecture training and uh, the design and building industry is doing a good job of t- talking about energy efficiency and these climate issues. Uh, well, I think I think there is more. You know, people generally understand energy efficiency now, but I think they don't understand at all the climate change issues. Right. And the problem also with that is it's not all about the engineering; it's about the attitude and what you take as the baseline and what you take for granted now is going to change. And we don't know exactly how it's going to change. There's all these projections, but how do we make things adaptable? You know, and what gives us the best percentage chance of uh, having something workable going forward? Right, so it's about making the... Rather than trying to fix a house to a known set of climate conditions today, it's about. it's more about... Uh, yeah figuring out how you can make that house adaptable in the future because we just don't know what the local climate yeah. might be. Yeah, you know, we've got an idea from some of the projections and I think some of those projections should be finding their way through into the regulation side of, you know, performance as well. Uh, but, you know, it, it, there's, a, there's an increasingly widening band of uncertainty the further forward, forward you look, obviously. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, like any weather forecast, if you like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, and the UK is in a funny place because things like the jet stream, you know, halfway through, our, we were having a good summer here, halfway through, switches to cold, you know. Yeah, right. And we've had like, summer night temperatures down to three degrees in the countryside, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is crazy. So rather, uh, than, rather than being scared and intimidated by that, that should present some opportunities for the design fraternity. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And well, I think it's kind of looking for a new vernacular, if you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. It's uh, we can't go doing all this uh, thermal modeling on every house you build and everything, but we need to start working towards some sort of new rules of thumb in, and maybe that's quite regional as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that there's a different starting point really. Yeah. Hey, look, um Really appreciate your time, Ian. Um, you've uh, no given us some great things to think about. Where can people find you and get in touch if they want to uh, connect with you? Uh, well, I can just give my emails the easiest. Sure. Yeah, green.triangle yeah. at btinternet.com. Cool. And uh, you you mentioned Twitter as well? Yeah, uh, if I remember right, I think it's just uh, Green Triangle UK. Awesome. We'll see in the queue. Uh, I'll be sure to put those links up on the uh, the website, and I'll put a link to. Have you have you got your um, your idea house stuffs available online, where where people can find out more about that? Do 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 do. It is. It's uh, there's uh, there's links to it on my LinkedIn page. Right. Yep. Okay, and I'll I'll, I'll make sure that um, we we put those up so people can. Uh, People can get a look at it. You've got some great images there, and uh, yeah, it's really easy to see that uh, that IKEA kind right. of concept. Yeah, <laughs> it's the, the wardrobe of the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Hey, thank you very much, Ian. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, Matthew.
Great cool. to speak to you. Ian McHugh there from Green Triangle Studio. Hope you enjoyed that. There's a, uh, a couple of key things in there, and I, I mean, the obvious one is the work that Ian's done around researching um, the climate change conditions and what that might mean for houses that we build in 2040. That's that's not a, that far away. You know, we're building houses now, 2014, 2015. Uh, 25 years time, we require houses to and and the materials we use to have a 50 year life. So that's well within the lifespan of the things that we're conceiving, designing, and building right now. Are we building for the right type of conditions? And I I know that this is a problem here or uh, an emerging problem here where we we tend to design and build glass boxes really, and we just know that those are going to overheat. The other reason I was interested in connecting with Ian was uh, to talk about that challenge of getting good clients, and I hope you picked up some uh, some good tips there, or at least asked the question about how can you, as a building professional, get more of the type of clients that you want to get, because I think that's uh, can make life a bit easier than run, trying to convert everyone to your way of thinking. Hey, uh, thank you very much for tuning in. This has uh, been a pleasure bringing you another episode of Homestyle Green. My name is Matthew Cutler-Welsh, and I'd love to hear your comments, thoughts. You can email me directly, matthew at homestylegreen.com. Don't forget to check out our wonderful sponsor, Nodura. You can call them on 0800 683 872 or go and check out energyefficientbuilding.co.nz. You can find all the show notes for this episode at homestylegreen.com slash 81. Thank you very much and uh, look forward to speaking to you again next week.